0: Hey there, this is LG Granderson and this is On Serve. In 1982, Zena Garrison was Newcomer of the Year. In 1988, she won Olympic gold. In 1990, she was in the Wimbledon final facing Martina Navratilova. In between all of these great matches were both highlights and, of course, heartbreak. But perhaps her biggest and most difficult challenge came after her career.
1: Incredibly, with an ace, Nina Garrison has defeated Steffi Graf.
0: Garrison is in the Wimbledon final. Stevie Johnson is a native of Southern California and stayed home to attend USC.
1: The lucky shots.
0: Stevie J. The line. join me for my conversation with Zena and stevie right now this is on serve with lz granderson i am here with xena garrison the uh how should i describe you fed cup captain champion olympic gold medalist a uh, top five player uh Major winner, I mean so many accolades, which one sticks out most when you think about your career?
1: Um, I think more than anything, I think you know um it was the top four actually um in women's tennis, but I also stayed in the top ten for um a lot of years, but a retired tennis player is a legend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You know, when I think about your time with the Fed Cup, I can't help but wonder what was going through your head as you're mentoring, coaching, encouraging Venus and Serena. How cognizant of you were you during this process in terms of the place in history that you had in terms of their success?
1: I think that uh, it was. It's actually. Um, I was very cognizant of it. Um, I was mentored under Billie Jean King um, for Fed Cup and also the Olympics. So I was always aware that whoever I was helping, um, not just Venus and Serena, whether it was Lindsay or, or Monica Seles or whoever, that you know you, you needed to be an impact and into helping them be the best person they could possibly be.
0: You know, speaking of impact, uh, one of the things that made a lasting impression on me was your appearance from The Biggest Loser. Um <laughs> I'm only, glad you felt that way. <laughs> well, only because it was like, I thought it was so brave to be... It, it was
1: brave, and it was actually, i would never forget, it. up until the last moment that the bus left, I had my lawyer on the phone I was about to pull out, but... Uh, you <laughs> Were know. you really... Oh, you have no idea, yes, literally. I was holding the phone, and they were asking me to sign, and I was like, I don't think I want to do this. <laughs> but, Why?
0: What, what, what brought the hesitation?
1: Um, First of all, I'm, I'm very OCD, and so then I realized I had to be in a room with, I mean, you know, live with other people. That was kind of the biggest hesitant for me, because um, I'm just very OCD. <laughs> <laughs> Who worked your nose? But, in, but but you know what? You're absolutely right. It was one of the best experiences that I could do for myself just because I did step out the box. Um and growing up with an eating disorder for all those years, it it, it made me you tackle my fears a little bit.
0: Yeah. So it's my understanding you started the show about two hundred and sixty pounds. Um yep. where are you right mm-hmm. now? um actually
1: not too far from that but i'm like at two almost 240 something so yeah That's but i've actually been working out with this guy by the name of reggie c fitness who's an amazing trainer here um and transformation of people's lives but um young guy he's he's incredible so um I'm on a journey for this year for myself, just being healthy for the rest of the year. So I've been on a program, on a Reggie C Fitness program for the last, well, since January.
0: Has yeah. Where does tennis fit in with all of that? Are you still playing? Is that part of your, your regimen? <laughs> Um, well, it's so
1: funny you asked. Actually, I've been on the court more um, than I've ever been in the last probably four or five years. And so, one of my goals is to start hitting at least once a week. And so, um, still not quite there yet, but I have been out on the court a lot more than I've been in the last four years. So, and that's uh, that's part of uh, Reggie's thing with me is you know getting me back to where I can be able to just go out and hit and enjoy it.
0: Did you stop playing because you missed it, or you you hated it, or did you stop playing because other things in life took over?
1: Um, other things, well, actually, I I had a I, um, shoulder injury first, um, in the midst of getting a divorce and thinking about retirement. So I had a lot of things that pushed me <laughs> out. <laughs>
0: Uh one of the other things that really struck me about you and your career is that you spend a lot of time with your foundation doing things to help the homeless as well as bringing tennis into the inner city. Are you still involved with that part of your your philanthropy as well? Yeah, I actually um
1: the homeless piece of it is i started that was how I even started giving back was I tripped over a guy in San Francisco I was playing a tournament there um in the Oakland area and tripped over a guy coming out of one of the indoor facilities there, and that made me aware of that people needed help, so I started there and then from there uh I was consistently giving back um tennis while I was playing in different tournaments. And so when I retired, so it's been 27 years now that I've had the Zena Garrison uh, Academy uh, here in Houston, Texas. Um, And I've probably touched over, I think the last number that we can kind of figure out is probably over 50-something thousand kids have at least put a racket in their hand. Um, and so summer program is going on now, and uh, I'm I absolutely love it and enjoy giving kids the opportunity to you know try something new. but in the midst of that so we also have a garden. We also have a um, you know a nutritionist and nutritionist program uh, University of Texas uh, has a co- we have college prep courses for the class for the kids um, so and also there's a local um uh, not low, yeah, locals, it's called Brothers Produce, which gives kids um, he brings out fruit for the kids every day. And so we try to teach them a little bit about just you know tennis and life and, and nutrition as well.
0: You know it's interesting. I'm listening to your tone, and as you're talking about giving back and helping others, you're way more optimistic in your tone than you are when you talk about helping yourself. Have you always sort of been that way? <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> to, to a fault. Well, you you must be a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just listening. I'm just listening.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've um, it's it's. I think it. I'm. I don't think I know. It comes pretty much from my family. My mom was pretty much like that, and uh, my brothers and my sisters are all. You know, we believe in giving back, and I, I'm a firm believer that teaching someone from the. Um, from the beginning and normally passes on, so I'm just a product
0: of that. So what is your dog's name? Because your dog clearly wants to be part of the podcast.
1: Uh, ooh, I need to send you a picture so that you can really laugh. She has pink hair <laughs> right now,
0: but it's so adorable. Her name is Sochi. <laughs> Hello there, Sochi. Yes, yes, you're part of the <laughs> podcast as well. Zena, you know, it's interesting looking at the tour right now because you know when you were playing you had the Navratilovas obviously the Chrissy Evers the Steffi Graves there were definitive champions who you knew time in and time out you had to get past in order to get to the to the next um you know round or even win a uh, a title but when you look at the the tour now It's way more open. You don't know who's going to win tournament to tournament. I would
1: have loved to be there. I'd be a rich soul right now. (laughs) 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 It's just that you know, yeah, and it's and I probably would have had a grand slam under my belt. But yeah, it's it's wide open. Um, You know, I'm I'm very good friends with well one of the coaches that coaches um, on the tour right now and. and we talk about it all the time. It's like each tournament, you know, you go into, you have no clue who's going to win anymore.
0: Is that a good thing or a bad thing?
1: It's probably not great for the for the tour, um, but it's very good for if you're a player. <laughs> 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 you got a chance every time. It's not like you're coming up and Steffi Graff was so dominant, you, you know, you just try to get a couple games. Or you know Serena when she was at her at her best, best or you know, younger days. You know it's it's everybody. I mean, look how many people have won Grand Slams. Yeah. <laughs> Different people. Does, what do you? And they all they all will go in the ho- and go into the Hall of Fame. I won't. And you know I am very. I had a very consistent career.
0: <laughs> what do you think has led to this parody?
1: Um. I just think um, the competition is is stronger, more open, but it's very, very hard for uh, I to stay mentally tough. They make so much money now. This is just my personal opinion. They make so much money, and you know, you do so well, you do so well, so quick. Sometimes the drive is not there once you get. You get there to stay there, you know, or to want to be a consistent champion. It's not very many of those. I haven't seen it yet.
0: You know, you sound a lot like uh, Martina, who talks about the mental aspect of it, and th- that the current players just aren't as tough as when she was on tour and, and Chrissy and, and Steffi. So you agree with that sort of line of, of thinking? That
1: oh, yeah. I mean, they complain because they play – They somebody asked them to play singles and doubles I mean we play singles doubles and mixed
0: <laughs> so are you, are you suggesting that the that the players are soft now
1: um i i don't want to be on on ESPN or any other podcast and saying they're soft and people calling me but i <laughs> I, I think they could get a lot tougher
0: <laughs> so they're not soft they're just not as hard as they should be
1: yeah they it's and I think it's through sports. Period. I don't think it's just there. Uh, it's just you know it's very few, and I, I, I they deserve every bit of the money that they get, but also it's also taken away from just having that grit and grind of having pride of being the best. You know.
0: Uh, anyone that you're looking forward to maybe working with and coaching? I know you did some work with Taylor Townsend not too long ago.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's one person, but I won't say it yet. I'll see if it happens.
0: <laughs> well, if you're if so. you're interested, my backhand could use some work, so I'm not sure if you got <laughs> any <free> time. <laughs> I love your chip and charge, and I, I I try to do it whenever possible. But I I can charge really well, but the chip needs some work.
1: Well, your chip and charge now, like you yeah, know, they hit the ball so hard, so well. But you know, it's funny to me and Martina. You know, like she said, it's just so mental. But people don't realize, like, that game up and back is seriously a lot more physical than just going from side to side.
0: Thanks to Zena Garrison. We're going to take a quick timeout, and then Stevie Johnson is my next guest. It's On Serve with LZ Granderson. stevie johnson is a native of southern california and stayed home to attend usc i started our conversation wondering why he continues to make southern california his home
2: um you know I, i grew up here in the city in orange county um you know that's where both my my parents grew up as well uh you know so it's it's we have a lot of family around here so it's very I've been very blessed and lucky to have, you know, tons of friends and family, uh, kind of live close, and we were lucky not to have to, you know, move around for, for jobs or, or whatnot. So, you know, my entire life I grew up in, you know, the same house, and, you know, my mom still lives in that same house today, and um, didn't, didn't go far to USC and, and haven't left the Southern California sunshine. You know, I, I guess I'm just a, a Southern California kid who's kind of growing up and just doesn't want to leave.
0: You refer to yourself as a kid... Uh, which I get, but you're a married kid. What has life taught you? You're one in marriage.
2: Um, you know, I think it's been phenomenal. You know, I've known Kendall my since you know my wife now since uh, the end of USC, so back since 2012. And um, you know, she's been a big part of my uh, journey in this world of professional tennis. And you know, she's been there when it's been horrible, and she's been there when it's been great. So it's been great to have somebody to kind of you know, keep me level headed and, and, you know, really get me away from tennis when, when we're, you know, when we're on the road and, you know, kind of keep, you know, all my priorities and everything in check. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been quite a, quite a run and, um, you know, couldn't, couldn't be happier.
0: Does she travel with you?
2: Yeah, she's, uh, she comes to the, to the fun one. She, she's, uh, she's gotten smarter over my time on tour. You know, she doesn't miss, you know, Paris and London and, you know, Rome, the big cities and, and the fun ones. But, uh, you know, it's uh, you know it, it's been great to to have you know her on the road, and you know it, it just gets my mind away from tennis once you know even though we're at you know at these events nonstop.
0: So she does Rome and Paris, but she doesn't come with you to Houston and Delray.
2: Yeah, she she's come <laughs> with me to Delray the last couple of years, but uh, um, yeah, she's missing Houston this year. Hopefully, she'll come uh, at the end. Hopefully, I'll, I'll be there at the end again, and she'll fly out on the weekend, and and uh, hopefully that's the case. So that, that's always the plan
0: children's in the plans
2: uh soon but probably not that soon you know she just her sister just had a baby about six months ago so um you know it's a little tough I, you know sometimes for me being on the road this much and you know i know myself that you know once that day comes it'll be hard for me to be on the road so you know i know that'll be tough for my career as well
0: how do you think roger federer balances it since he has like 19 kids
2: <laughs> i think he's uh, I think he's kind of figured figured it out. Um you know, he's got you know the right people I think around him. He's got enough support and you know the schedule that he plays is very a uh, little little easier than you know us uh, I guess regular tennis folk, you know, you know who aren't the greatest of all time and you know have have that schedule. So, um you know, I think he's. You know, and I'm, and I. You know, we're very lucky to have him on tour. You know, he's a big reason that tennis is so popular today. So, you know, I. You know, for me personally, it's tough losing. to You know, every time I played him, but you know, he's great for the sport. So, you know, I wish he would. You know, stay out there as long as possible. Selfishly.
0: How long are you going to stay out here?
2: Um, that's that's a good question. Um, I'd like to stay out as long as possible, but you know, I know that you. You know, in professional sports world you you know your days are numbered you know uh so i'd love to play you know a few more years and and kind of get as much out of out of this as possible but you know i kind of take what what the sport and what life gives me and i I kind of go from there so just getting you know when life you know is throwing me a curveball i just try and bounce back and, and, and try and make the most of it
0: you left USC, uh, at least according to websites, uh, just short of obtaining your degree. Is that still true?
2: Yeah, so I was uh, four classes short when I left. You know, I took the fall off my senior year to travel and play uh, to kind of see if professional tennis was something I would enjoy. You know, I was good enough at and, you know, kind of, you know, set the – get a kind of a, a base to, to what I needed to, to really improve on to go forward on the pro tour. Um, so I, I finished a little short, but – you know, USC is basically a second home to me. I was just there uh, yesterday with with my with my old coach, and you know, I love walking around campus. I love being there. Um, you know, and I definitely plan on going back to finish at some point and reconnecting with you know everything USC has to offer. Um, so, you know, for me, it's you know, there's no place like SC for me.
0: Now, now, did you actually get into SC on your own, or <laughs> did somebody buy your way in? <laughs>
2: No, no, I can, I can promise you. I actually physically played the sport that uh, <laughs> I got in. Uh, I was. Uh, it's not photoshopped in, in my, in my sense. You know, all the, the photos are real. The, the accolades for the most part are, they're all real, and, and the stats are there. So, you know, I, I competed for my, uh, for my university, and you know, it's, it's, uh, it's funny because you know, when you read about these things, you know, I'm just so bummed to hear USC involved because you know, I, you know, ha- hold it in such high praise, uh, and, you know, in my. In my mind.
0: what? Where were you when you found out the story and, and what did you think?
2: I mean, I read the story. Um, I was in Miami and, uh, you know, immediately called, you know, my coach and, you know, you know, hoped everything was all right with him and, you know, whatnot. And he said, you know, he kind of, I mean, he's just, everybody's in shock, you know, at campus. I can tell there's a bit of a a somber mood, you know, about, you know, around the athletics, you know, with this whole, you know, with, you know, a couple of former coaches, the current water polo coach, one of the assistant ADs, and it's a tough time at SC, I think they're, you know, uncovering a lot of stuff, and I, you know, it's just kind of a bummer that, you know, it has to happen to, you know, a university that, you know, I hold so close to my heart.
0: Speaking of tough times, the beginning of your season has been tough, or at least I'm sure disappointing by your standards. How are you keeping your head up during this rough patch?
2: Um, you know, I, I think that's one of the hardest things to do in sports. You know, some weeks it's, it's easier for me to, to kind of keep my head up and, and keep pushing, and some weeks it's, it's you know, I'm focusing on all the negatives and, and what's gone wrong and, you know, not not willing to – you know, not not putting myself in those positions to be successful. And I think that's been my biggest kind of downfall this year so far. Is you know the negative stuff that happens to me on the court. You know, is outweighing my ability to kind of look through that and, and focus on the positives. So it's something you got to just kind of keep your keep your positivity about yourself. You know, I'm I'm, I'm working hard. You know, if I keep if I feel like if, if I'm putting in the work on the court, off the court to get myself in those positions, you know, eventually it'll turn itself around and um you know, I think that's some of the, the big part about sports, you know, it's how you know it, not everything in life is you can't go from nothing to to the greatest and not have some bumps in the road. So you gotta you gotta work through those and I think that's you know, show some, some serious resilience in, in sports and that's some of the biggest part of it.
0: You had probably your best year on tour last year you won two titles one in Houston one in Newport um do you think about defending those points at all or do you just try to take it one tournament at a time
2: no I mean I think you know earlier in my career I thought about defending points you know from week to week or you know how I did the year before and you know now I just look at it as you know the season's you know let's call it 10 months and you know, I just need to accumulate as many points as possible from January to, you know, November. So, you know, if it comes, you know, now, if it comes later, you know, if it comes in, you know, big bunches, you know, or, you know, more consistently, it's just, you know, something that you just got to, every week you got a chance to go out there and turn something around. So you just got to stay positive. So when I go into Houston, you know, I just think, you know, I just want to go out there and win my first match and then, you know, win my second match and just kind of continue to get, Play better and, and get to deeper in tournaments. Um, you know, first and foremost.
0: You know, your your forehand is absolutely bonkers, of course, and you list hard court as your favorite surface. But your most success has come on clay. What's <laughs> up with that?
2: I, I often ask myself the same question. Um, you know, I love to. I definitely you know, all my to do list still is to win a hard court title in singles, <laughs> and, and um, you know I'm over two in finals on that, and you know four and zero in finals on grass and clay. So. Um, it's it's an interesting, um, I guess, dynamic. So you I know not know my, what you're talking about. <laughs> my my game definitely translates well to clay. Yeah, you know, the way I play, and and I'm able to move on clay, which is a big um, a big factor. And you know, I sometimes I think you know it's I don't put as much pressure on myself to to do well on clay court events because it's not something that you know maybe that comes natural. So you know, you kind of. I depressurize I guess a little bit and I play good tennis so I mean that's the way it's kind of been the last few years and you know hopefully I could continue to do that
0: which aspect of your game you think translates best I mean I know your slice is you know it's effective on the hard courts but because of clay it's just really difficult to pick up on on when you play like in Houston for instance is that the reasons why you think your success has been so much easier yeah
2: I think yeah I, I mean on the clay you know my forehand you know kind of I'm able to push guys around the court you know I'm able to move and you know on the clay it's, it's a little tougher to kind of change directions and I feel like you know my tennis IQ is definitely high um you know in my eyes so I, I'm able to kind of you know, out, you know, think opponents sometimes on the clay when, you know, how they're moving or, you know, maybe certain ways or, you know, I can kind of get ahead in the point to to kind of wrong foot them. And I think that's a big part of playing tennis on clay. And I've really grasped that role, you know, the last few years. And and it's really made a big difference.
0: You've been on tour now for almost two years without your father. Has it gotten at all easier for you because he was the one that got you started in the sport or so you still think about him every single time that you find yourself on the court
2: no i, I mean i definitely still think about him you know every time i'm i'm on a tennis court you know that's something that uh i don't think will ever go away you know there's some days and some tournaments i have uh maybe a greater appreciation of you know what he's given me and you know what you know the sport has brought us and and whatnot and You know some weeks it's it's harder for me and i and i focus on all the negatives and you know maybe the whys, and you know why did this happen why you know why did this happen to me you know kind of thing and um and it's tough you know it's just definitely tough because um i'm definitely you know going through a patch where you know it's it's hard because i'd never envisioned myself being a pro you know without you know him by my side um so it's um it's definitely a tough and it's you know, it's week by week. You know, I feel like some weeks I have a great grasp on it, and some weeks, you know, it's it, it really, you know, grabs a hold of me, and I, and I don't, you know, have the the skill set to comprehend to get out of it.
0: Did he approve of your porn stats that sometimes you rock to it? <laughs>
2: I think he just kind of laughs because he wasn't – he couldn't really grow facial hair. So, um, you know, he kind of laughs, but uh, I definitely got that – you know, this beautiful mustache from, you know, my mom's side of the family. You know, they have, you know, my uncles and, and grandpa have, have had a mustache forever. So it's kind of funny because my dad's side doesn't have any facial hair and, you know, my mom's side does. So it's, it's funny because I don't think he ever, you know, had the, maybe had the opportunity to grow one. Or else he would have joined me.
0: Do, uh like, John and Sam and the guys give you junk about your stash at all? Cause I mean, I out. think
2: they, they definitely have in the past, but at this point it's, like, you know, it, it makes a, an appearance every, you know, maybe maybe a little too often. So they just kind of, I don't even think they recognize anymore or, or notice. And um, I don't know, it is fun. It's I, I just, I don't know, I just get bored and change it up sometimes. That's what I do.
0: Uh, speaking of Sam and John, the two of them over the last couple of seasons have had some major breakthroughs in the majors, making the semifinals, uh, Wimbledon, making the semifinals at the U.S. Open. Um do you think about yourself in their place?
2: Yeah, of course. You know, it's it's. Um, I, I think it it works extremely you know well for me. Um, you know, because I see those guys and I, I know you know what they're capable of because I've seen them at their best and, I, and I've played them at their best and you know it's, it's guys I compete with and I'm you know I'm able to you know I feel like I can beat on any given day and you know with seeing them do it it definitely gives you the belief that. You know, you know, why not you and why not, you know, why not every time you go out there, like, how does, how does that not motivate you, you know, seeing your, your really good friends be successful in the, in the big tournaments, and, um, you know, it's, it's amazing because I'm so happy for them because they are being successful, and, you know, I'm happy knowing that, you know, if I can compete with these guys, I can be in the same, the same spot as them, and that's, you know, basically what, you know, continues to just keep driving me forward and, and trying to get better every day.
0: What's the hardest part about being able to reach that level? Is it your play or is it the play of your opponent? You know, I think
2: it's a little bit of both. I think it's getting used to being in those uh, situations and, and, you know, just continuing to focus on the tennis aspect rather than, you know, being in the quarterfinals or semifinals of the slam and kind of overthinking, you know, that aspect. But it's also, you know, tennis is an incredible game of matchups. You know, some guys match up really well with each other, and some guys don't match up well against certain opponents. And you know, sometimes you got to get a little bit lucky in the draw and kind of, you know, get, you know, you know, get some favorable matchups, you know, along the way. But you know, there's always going to be a match or two in every tournament where it's, you know, you're going to have to find your way out of a tough situation. And you know, there's not many. I feel like, you know grand slams or tournaments won, for that matter, where, where guys didn't kind of squeeze out of a tough situation to kind of, you know, propel themselves to a, to a big week.
0: When you look back on your career, what do you want people to say about you?
2: Um, you know, I just want people to, you know, think that, you know, I, I left it I left it all out on the court. You know, I was a fighter, a competitor. Um, you know, I gave it my best every time I stepped foot on the court. And you know, that's the same way I want to look back at my career from, from my point of view. I just wanna know that, you know, I did everything possible and that uh to to be as successful as possible. And, you know, I don't know if you know, what's left to come in my career. I hope there's a lot more to come so you know, I continue to work every day to, to make that a, a reality.
0: Last concert you went to?
2: Um, boy, we were at stagecoach last uh er, no, not last year. Uh, the year before, that was probably the last concert I went to um, and loved every minute of it.
0: Stage coach, you're a country guy, huh?
2: Yeah, well, it's peaceful. You know, I, I'm a huge... I love the Palm Springs, Indian Wells area. You know, a lot of players don't like it because it's so boring, but I could move out there and never think twice. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I love being out there. We had a great group of, you know, close friends and stuff, and, you know, it was just a fun weekend to kind of get away from, from everything, enjoy it for a few days, and then, I remember I got back home. I trained for about you know ten days, and off we went to to Europe for two months through you know for Madrid through through Wimbledon. So it was uh, it was a fun weekend to kind of get away and and be. I mean I don't want to say normal, but you kind of have like a, a, just a weekend you know at home with with friends.
0: Luke Bryan, Sam Hunt, Jason Aldean, Leonard Skinner, they're all on this year's stagecoach bill. Am I going to see you out in Indio this year?
2: Um, I don't. I'm going to be out in India this year just because, you know, my wife is going to a wedding uh, in Hawaii that weekend, and I'm about to go to Rome, so I didn't feel like going out by myself. But uh, um, All right, know, fine.
0: To, I'll come not, hang out with you. Damn, you didn't hey, have to beg me. On. Yeah,
2: I mean, hey, if, if the opportunity is there, I'm not turning it down.
0: <laughs> Last question for you, buddy. Um, you talk glowingly about sort of living, quote-unquote, a normal life. When you do finally say goodbye to this awesome sport, do you see yourself still being attached to it as a coach of some sort, or are you just going to start a totally different career?
2: That is a good question. I, I mean, uh, I have no idea. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if I want to be a coach, you know, that travels. I, I, I know that's something I, I don't really want to do, is travel the same way that I've traveled the last, you know, seven, eight years being on tour. I definitely want to spend more time around home with, you know, you know family and whatnot. Um, but, uh, you know, I definitely have no, no idea, to be honest. I, I know after my career ends, I'll have to take some time to figure out what's what's next in life. And, you know, hopefully, you know, something jumps out of me the next couple of years and, and really, you know, I can sink my teeth into because, you know, it's um, I, I've really enjoyed, you know, being a professional tennis player because that's been my passion my entire life. And, you know, I really haven't known anything different since I was a kid. You know, I've, I played tennis, and so it'll be weird to when that day comes to, to not – to not play tennis, but you know, I'm around Marty, uh, a fish a ton and it's, um, it's, it's interesting because he, you know, was, did the same thing I did. You know, he played tennis for his entire life and now he's kind of slowly getting back into the swing of things. But, um, you know, he's somebody that, uh, you know, you, I can, you know, really bounce ideas off of and, you know, he's somebody that's always willing to take a phone call and, and be around.
0: Well, hopefully that is a long way away, but I will tell you this. I'm always in a market for a good coach. So, if
2: you want I'm to get ready. Give- I can help anybody with their serving forehand.
0: Special thanks to the great Zena Garrison and Stevie Johnson for their time. And to Chris Morales, Dan Zampillo, and Pete Genesini for helping to produce this podcast. If you like the show, please rate and review it. And make sure to listen to Episode 5 and the final episode of this season of On Serve with LZ Granderson.